You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ask Drone You. Thank you for joining us. As always, my name is Paul. Yes, thank you very much. My name is Rob. Another beautiful day here in sunny Colorado. It actually is sunny, except a little bit north where it's snowing. But other than that, it's beautiful and sunny, and we're glad that you're hanging out with us today. It is beautiful and sunny. As we went to San Diego last week, I realized that the feeling of cold can be very relative because here in Colorado, it could be 25, 30 degrees and sunny, and it really doesn't feel that cold. And you could be in San Diego where it's 57, 55 degrees, but the humidity is very high and it feels bone chilling cold. Yeah, very true. (laughs) So that moisture in the air makes a difference. It sure does. Like the temperature dew point spread, like when you're flying. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we've got a very interesting show today, which we're going to jump right into. You know, we have been talking a lot about uh, American drones. I want to define what it means to have an American drone. There's a new American drone coming on scene. And I think we also want to uh, take some estimates or some guesses at who might be launching new American drones. As we're hearing from many of our clients, uh, they can no longer fly Chinese-made drones. Um, And we are seeing a lot of people moving away from Chinese drones anyway, because with the segregation of features on some of these drones and, you know, kind of DJI pushing people into enterprise away from prosumer, there has really been a, a shift occurring over the last few years. And I feel like it is, we are coming to the climax or uh, as they would say in literary culture, we are hitting the denouement. And so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we are literarily very cultured here. <laughs> Not. <laughs> okay. So you uh, are starting to allude to it, but let's dig in to start. I think this is where we want to start is define what we mean by American drone. And it sounds kind of weird to even have to ask that question, but I think we have to. Uh, no, I think it's a very, very, very important, Rob, because I mean, there really is no domestically made aircraft. Um, they're going to have some sort of Chinese parts. They might be, a, you know, built in China, assembled, final assembly in the U.S. But at the end of the day, it seems like there really is not a formidable American manufacturer that can build these drones at mass scale. And is that what you mean by formidable? Because there's some really great American drones, but by formidable, do you mean the ability to sell them in mass? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Uh-huh. And I mean, I think it's important to define what is an American drone, because at the end of the day, most of these companies who can't fly Chinese drones, what are they doing? They're using the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, the blue SUAS list, as essentially the guide guiding regulations and statutes of understanding what can they fly. And we have seen a lot of drones hitting that blue SUAS uh, list. Um, A lot more drones are actually hitting that list now. I mean, even I believe Wingtra is on that list as well. But when we talk about American-made drones, this is kind of like becoming a keyword and almost a misnomer. And so you have to almost understand exactly what it means when, yeah, Wingtra one, what it exactly means when we say that it's in a quote-unquote American drone, right? Because for example, 
You've got the Parrot Anafi USA military version, Parrot Anafi USA government version. I would think a lot of people would agree that the Parrot Anafi USA is not a very good drone. I would argue, though, that the Parrot Anafi AI is a very good drone. You know, and so I think when it comes to a lot of these drones, too, I think a very important aspect of understanding what drones are realistically going to be good, consistent operating machines in the field. A lot of these drones, they're made with the same flight controller, the same video transmission system, and they're all in a very similar price point, which is high. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about American-made drones, there are other drones that are not on this list that were just approved as NDAA-approved drones. Well, another clarification that I think would be beneficial is to, because we started this with talking about American-made drones, and then we're th- throwing things in here like the Wingtra, which it's actually, many of these are European, right? Mm-hmm. Or there's some others that are going to be coming on that are Japanese. Is the true moniker non-Chinese or are we truly looking at American made? The way that I like to distinguish it in most of our marketing uh, material is domestic and foreign. But when I say mm. domestic, I mean NDAA approved, meaning you can fly them domestically. And so I think mm. I think when we say American, blurry quick, it really does. And this is why I wanted to <laughs> preface this episode, because this is something that people are asking us about on a daily basis. And a lot of people just saw our Instagram reels where we're out in San Diego flying Sony's new Airpeak, the updated pre-production model. And, you know, they just got on the NDAA list. And so when people are like, we want to know what American drones we can fly. Well, no one is saying I want to know what American manufactured drones I can fly, or I want American flyable drones, meaning I can fly these in American airspace and I can fly critical infrastructure with these drones. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it does get blurry really quick. And I think the answer lies in practicality. And when I mean practicality, I mean, the when we say it's an American drone, it's a drone that's approved by the federal government to be flying in American airspace. Okay. I think that's a better way to look at it. Yeah, so we probably should stop using the term American-made drone. Fortunately, I would agree with you. Unfortunately, I think our SEO would argue with you. <laughs> so that's uh, why I keep saying American drones. I'm like, this is like a number one search term. So <laughs> that's the only reason why I'm like, we can fly them in American airspace. So maybe they're American drones. Well, it's one, again, maybe the we're really getting the goofy semantics here, but getting rid of the word made. Maybe yeah. that's the word, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. that we get away with. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to make sure we clarify exactly to the best of our ability what we're talking about. Oh, 100%. 100%. And so with that said, what I want to do on this show is talk about some of the options. I want to make estimates on who we think we could see new drones from this year. Honestly, we really don't know, but I think it's, I think we've seen some stuff on some social media that might hint at certain people coming out with certain things. So I want to touch on that. And then I want to touch on what are some of these realistic options and practically speaking, what are some of the best options? So Before we go into some of these American drones and highlighting what is available outside of the Chinese market, um, let's talk first and and guess. Rob, I'm just going to throw this out there. And this might be a a wild guess from Rob, but either way. Probably. Who would you guess might come out with new drones this year? And I mean, even if you said DJI, I don't think you'd be wrong. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, we know Sony's going to, right? Mm-hmm. Is that considered still not out yet? Well, I mean, I think Sony, I think what we're going to see from Sony is, without getting into too much detail, is a newer, updated AirPeak model that solves many of the problems uh, that stemmed from complaints of pilots. Okay, fair enough. And I think that uh, some of these we haven't seen drones for. I'm actually cheating and looking at this list here that we put together pre-show. So I would say maybe Brink. We haven't heard anything new from them in a while. Um, DJI, I think that's, they haven't, well, I guess... I mean, we've been waiting for the Inspire 3 for a long, long time. So it seems like 2023 is the year for that. Well, and I just learned Inspire 2 is officially out of production now. Okay. Yeah. So I think that that is definitely coming. Um, Let's see. I don't know enough about Teal, but we haven't heard a lot from them lately either. So my guess is they've got something updated coming out. Freefly seems to be kind of riding the old platforms and just making those better and improving on them. And so I don't know that we'll see anything new from them. Well, and I think that might be another kind of um, gray term because I think FreeFly is coming out with a lot of advancements to their existing platforms. Yeah, that are offering a lot more value. And I will just say of all the, we'll call it quote unquote, domestic manufacturers, some of the features that you get from FreeFly, you just don't get any other features and what Mm -hmm. I'm talking about. And it's not the right term. Um, I keep messing up this term. And yet every time I ask someone, I can't get a straight answer. So what I'm talking about is uh, FreeFly's collective pitch. And it's not... Um, it's not like a collective pitch, like on a helicopter where you can actually take the collective stick and adjust the pitch of the props in flight. What I'm talking about is that let's say that you're at 60%, uh, forward pitch on your, on your Astro or your Alta X, right? And then you want to go to hundred percent power. Well, what happens is that those props on all four motors essentially pitch forward, changing the overall canter of the motor themselves. And what that does is extremely increase the amount of thrust and power that you get from that drone. If you remember, I showed you on the Alta X when we were flying it at the old field of moving it forward and then it would just, you know, like it's almost like you're hitting a VTEC in a Honda engine. You know, you hit the super high RPMs and then you just get that crazy thrust of power. Yeah, there it is. 3223 Brink is launching a new drone. So, wow, two days. From what I hear... Witness the unveiling live. Go to BrinkDrones.com if you want to register for this live event. Yeah. If I were to guess what uh, Brink and... I think Brink and Skydio are about to go head-to-head because I think if I understand what this is all about, it's networking drones together to create like a a literal Skynet in the worst of terms. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So, um, but that could be good and bad, right? Just like uh, if drones are a tool, it could be used for good and bad. So going back to just to recap these American drones, we just talked about Sony AirPeak. You know, we just spent a lot of time with the AirPeak. Love that drone. And there's something that we mentioned that FreeFly does very differently from everyone else, which is, we'll just call it that collective pitch, even though it's not called a collective pitch. There's a word for it. It starts with an S and I'm not, I can't remember what it is right now, but I love that. Here's the thing. Brink, Skydio, Freefly, another domestic manufacturer, Lucid, right? What do all these drones have in common? What they have in common is the same or similar flight controllers and the same or similar 
power distribution systems and the same or similar VTX or video transmission systems, okay? This is a point I really want to hit on this show to help provide um, detail and explanation as to why I think one particular manufacturer might have the capability to um, supersede all the others in a very short order. Sony, I just recently learned on their AirPeak, it's their own flight controller. They manufacture the ESCs. They manufacture the motors. They manufacture the frame. They manufacture every part of the drone, which is fundamentally different from everyone else. Yeah. You know, um, even Skydio, we know what flight controller is in there. And so with that said, Sony might have, I, I would say, who are the biggest players right now to actually become a mass scale competitor to DJI? I think a lot of people would argue Skydio, mm -hmm. but we have yet to see really that come out in mass, but I think they're the closest. We have Sony's AirPeak. Sony is an enormous company that that literally their revenue makes everyone else's revenue dwarf in comparison. But ultimately the question there, and this is a discussion that you and I had, and it's a very valid discussion, but it, the, the real question is what budget are they allocating to the drone side of the company? Because it yeah. doesn't matter if they have a, a hundred billion in revenue if they allocate a million. Totally. So we don't. I don't know that, um, but it's interesting and it does seem like it's a priority for them. Here's one thing that I learned working with Sony this last week that I really was not expecting to learn. Uh, we've had the opportunity to work with almost all these companies outside of Teal and outside of FreeFly. Um, what I love about Sony is how much they actively seek feedback. They objectively listen and they listen to understand and make changes. And I feel like that's fundamentally different from all the rest, at least that we've had interactions with. I wouldn't say that's true for them. Yeah, no, maybe not. Maybe not lucid. Yeah, for I mean, sure. I think they have, yes. Well, in fact, been very proactive in trying to get feedback. To that point, the founder of Lucid, uh, Andrew, um, Andrew Asher, he is a graduate of the Y Combinator. Probably one of the smartest guys I have met. He's very young and he's extremely intelligent. Um, I would argue at many times he is much smarter than me. And there are a lot of people much smarter than me, but he's really, really smart. Okay. <laughs> yes, he is. He has developed something that few people have, which are the systems of manufacturing. And he's completely changed the way that you manufacture drones, which is really brilliant. And what I asked him is, how were you able to scale up your company from nothing to something in such short order? And his answer at the time, I didn't really believe him, but as we have uh, matured with him, I absolutely believe him, which he said, it's all about the team and it's all about how you work with said team. And I think that that's something that I've had kind of a hard time fully understanding, but as we have matured and grown ourselves, I believe the team is everything. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that about um, Andrew's approach to leadership. And boy, we're really buttering you up, Andrew, <laughs> if you hear this. But it's all true. We wouldn't say it if we didn't truly believe it. And I think that one of the things that to to piggyback on what you're saying is is his understanding of how important culture is. And uh, we see that being manifest over there at Lucid. And it's kind of cool to see. So, I mean, ultimately, I think we would say that we hope all of these companies are super successful, right? That is a really important point, right? Because we talked about this a couple of years ago regarding competition, right? And ultimately, competition is good for the consumer, right? Because it pushes 
the various manufacturers to create better and better aircraft and whatnot. And ultimately, the market will decide whether a drone is good or not. Look at the prices you just pulled up on the Mavic 3 Cinna. Holy cow, it's dropped half in price because people clearly are like, no. I mean, I, I think we called it a long time ago, even when a lot of other people were like, this is the greatest thing ever. We're like, I don't like how this thing flies, man. It's not fun. Like, it sucks. And they have It does have some great features, a great camera, et cetera. It really does, yeah. But your ability to move said camera is as important as its ability to capture. Very so. true. Very, very true. Yeah, no doubt. But, you know, speaking of cameras and capture, a lot of people, one person who I, in fact, I was talking to Sally French about this. And, you know, a lot of people, she said, a lot of people are asking, where is Sony coming from? Sony's out of nowhere. And it's like, well, um, it's totally understandable to see that perception, right? But when we look at the Phantoms, we look at the Mavics, even Hasselblad sensors, what are they all made of? They're all made of Sony sensors. Sony has been in the drone game practically since DJI had their first camera, you know, on the Mavic, yeah. or not the Mavic, the Phantom 3. Yeah, and, and honestly, I, I our goal here is to look at all of these objectively, and I can't say that um, clearly enough. But as I look at Sony, one of the things that I see as sort of exciting about their potential is that they have, for lack of a better way to say it, they have mature money, not VC money. And what that means is that they have patience. They don't have, they've got shareholders, but that's a very different animal than a VC guy banging your door down saying, why haven't you given me better returns? Very different animal. And so I just like, and we're seeing that in their approach. I mean, it's playing out with the time that they're taking. And I, I hope that that manifests in something special, but we'll see. We'll see. I think it's an extremely important point. Um, an extremely important point because I think we saw DJI play the same patience game when they were head to head with other companies like GoPro and like 3DR at the time. And so it's going to be very, very, very interesting. And America has had a very long and very cooperative relationship with the Japanese for a very long time. I would argue since World War II. And that said, when I worked for Aflac, uh, I, I had an opportunity to take an opportunity with Aflac in Japan because they said that literally their number two market was Japan of the whole world mm. because they understood the value. Right. Um, and I've always thought about how Aflac, which is this, the largest supplemental insurance company in the world, their number one market is here and then their number two market is Japan. Hmm. And I've just, I always keep thinking about that relationship. When I asked the CFO, Chris Cloninger, one time, he, he just, he so eloquently explained Japanese culture and the kind of preventative nature versus reactive nature. Hmm. And I don't even think I would do a very good job of explaining just how, what he explained. But right. long story short is, I think we trust the Japanese. And I think this brings up a bigger issue, which is Congress and the U.S. government have not really defined what level of Chinese parts are acceptable. Because I think we could all sit here, if we're going to speak honestly, and say that many of these, quote unquote, domestic drones have Chinese parts in them. You right. know, Obviously, and, the question is, which parts are those? And do they have any ability to ca capture anything? 
Yeah, and which parts are actually critical to privacy and security, Correct. et cetera, you right. know? Yeah. And I'll never forget Kyle Sanders' explain, uh, explanation from Drone Soccer. And he said, well, he, he goes, you could literally have a, a microcontroller hacked with malware. And, you know, you plug it into a school laptop that's open to the network. And now, voila, they're in the whole network. He's like, that's the type of stuff you got to be thinking about. He goes, because what you talk about on the show is that, you know, these drones are transmitting data to China. And as long as you don't connect the drone to the internet, it can't do that. Well, he's like, well, what if you connect it to your computer and you have, you know, uh, you need to update the firmware? He's like, that's another opportunity or vulnerability, sure. you know? Yeah. And there's plenty of those, I'm sure. But can we maybe transition and, you know, redirect me if this is not where you want to go, but to something really practical in terms of, I don't know, who can use these drones? Well, I think the big issue is that, look, a lot of the really lucrative drone jobs are technical drone jobs. They're inspections, they're mapping, they're modeling, etc. Unless you're working on set and you can handle all the egos, I would say that, you know, the technical jobs are going to be more consistent, more reliable, higher pay. Well, a lot of those jobs are critical infrastructure. And with the infrastructure bill coming out, even more of these drone jobs are going to be infrastructure. Well, if you're flying infrastructure, hello, you got to comply with the NDAA. And so that means Sony Airpeak, Anafi, you know, Skydio, uh, Lucid is not going to do those types of jobs. Teal, Freefly, Brink. Again, but Brink is for, is like first responder for the most part, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not and sure. And I think Teal is as well. Is that not? Don't I don't want to. No, I think miscategorize them. I think you're correct, and I think a lot of people are excited for what the Teal's evolution. Uh, mm. I've I've never flown the Golden Eagle. It's one that I want to. Um, but from what I've heard, there's an opportunity for improvement. So I'll just say that. Military grade Golden Eagle. So mm-hmm. emphasis on military. DOD, boy, everybody wants DOD money. <laughs> you know what's funny? I don't blame them, I guess. You know what's funny, though, Rob, is that whether a drone is labeled military grade or enterprise grade or whatever, from from lots of experience, I think that we need to have a new certification called consistent grade because a lot of these drones just do not consistently work. And I think a lot of people out there who are not involved with sales or don't have a conflict of interest would probably agree with me. Yeah, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people who may not as well, but I think the proof is in the pudding per se. Sure. Um, and I think that there is an opportunity uh, for, look at the size of that remote, holy cow. I think that there is a very real opportunity. It's on a tripod. We know you're going to hurt your neck with this thing. So we gave you a tripod. So, oh, you know what? Who we're leaving out of this is Easy Aerial. Gosh. Oh, duh. And they're actually on the list. Yeah. And they're, they make phenomenal aircraft. Goodness. Um, In fact, uh, the old engineer of of Easy Aerial was our good friend, Peter, uh, who was an instructor here for a long time. Peter taught me how to build drones. So um, Hmm. love that guy. He's, so yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, <laughs> we do love that guy. Yeah, GFY, GFY, buddy. Anyway, <laughs> so the Anafi seems like it's going to be pretty broad in terms of its ability to um, be beneficial to drone pilots. It's relatively inexpensive, relatively about right? the same cost as a Mavic Three Enterprise. Yeah. Okay, and Skydio's got a couple of different drones. They're probably more 
in the autonomy, utilities, that kind of thing. So if you're getting into that world, some places are going to want to use that for that. And like I said, I think, I mean, a lot of people have, have heard what I've had to say about Skydio and maybe some negativity. But when it comes to power utilities, when it comes to substation inspections and mapping, it might be the only drone that's really good for that. And I say that because, again, the autonomy is prioritized over the pilot and in an environment of such heavy EMF and such heavy interference, it makes sense where that drone could shine. But that said, I did run into someone who is in charge of inspections in California who's flying phase one cameras, who just flies far away as to not deal with that electromagnetic interference. But at the same time, we have seen the Skydio in action in the field doing real world, real life jobs, and it does very well. In the environment you just described. Totally. Yeah. Right? Uh -huh. Now, it's a very niche environment. So, of course. Of um, course. Yeah. You know, just like uh, Brink is a very niche environment. I and mean, totally. it's all about public safety and DOD for the most part. Well, let me ask you a question, Rob. Are, are, do you feel like the evolution of the domestic drone industry is becoming very nuanced by vertical? You know, you've got Brink with confined sure space. seems that way. I mean, even if you look at Freefly, they're very um, sort of cinematography, right? I mean, I know they've got some some broader inspection abilities. They're very capable drones, but it seems like that's kind of been their bread and butter is the the cinematography movie business, right? Well, I mean, you even just pulled up the website and they mm -hmm. just came out with the new evolution of the wave camera called the Ember. You know, no one's putting out cameras that shoot 4K 800, you know? like Wow. That's, that's awesome. I want that. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, look so, at that. 5K at 600. Yeah, since you're CFO, would you mind approving that purchase It says buy now. <laughs> <laughs> we are taking pitch-ins. Uh, for the low, low price of only $17,990, $95. This camera can be yours. Doesn't include a gimbal or an airframe or batteries. You'll need that as well. <laughs> Plus shipping. <Yeah. laughs> uh, wow, that's pretty cool, though. It is really cool. But it seems as though. So to answer your question, it does seem, I mean, it's hard to argue against that. And I think, you know, it's it's really interesting, actually, because it speaks to our conversation with our Drone U members yesterday in the coaching call in terms of specialization or not. And it's almost as if the drone makers are forcing drone pilots into specialization, which I think is unfortunate. Agreed, yeah. But yeah, it is what it is. I agree. Be, well, and this was actually one of the things that uh, um, that we were talking about with Sony is, you know, I asked another person who owns a drone store, I said, well, would you agree that the best photography cameras or the best videography cameras are also the best mapping cameras. Like, let's look at the X7, you know, perfect mm. example. And he's like, oh, yeah, 100%. And so, you know, a lot of these companies, especially DJI, trying to segregate or, or create fractions within the industry, I think it's just hurting them. I think, I mean, like, at a time when the U.S. government is pushing so hard against certain Chinese tech it really, really, really makes you wonder why DJI is amplifying the problem by segregating their drones. Why do I need a Mavic well, 3 to shoot high frame rate video, but I need a Mavic 3 Enterprise to do autonomous missions? It's absolutely clear as glass, DJI, that I could use just one of those drones and do it all, okay? <laughs> I don't think they care about how clear that is. Well, and, and, I think, and I think all these domestic manufacturers are proving DJI's point. 
which is mm. it is more profitable. They're going for margin. They're they're trying to make money for their VC guys, and they're looking for the fastest, most profitable way to make money. Sounds like DJI is telling pilots, "Go ahead and touch your toes, and we'll show you where nah, the wild nah, nah, goose nah, goes." Nah, nah, blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that increase in volume, real quick. <laughs> I know they're not saying that, but man, that's a good line no, from Super Troopers. I, oh, well. <laughs> I th- you know, they, they have very smart people in their analytics groups and so forth, and, and they know the data and they know how to make the most money the fastest. They do. I don't think it's any more complicated than that. No, but I also think the drone industry is very smart and is figuring this out as well. Mm-hmm. So most pilots, male and female, very smart people. So... Yeah, I mean, we could sit here very, absolutely, they are very smart, but what are they going to do about it? <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll see. I believe this is why collective bargaining became a thing in the United States. All right. Well, let's see how your collective <laughs> bargaining goes. Oh, not very far. So. I'll, sit, I'll sit in the bleachers. You're not getting yeah. my money. Okay, but no. to wrap this up, to be succinct, when it comes to these <laughs> domestically made drones, let's say Brink, Sony, Parrots Anafi, Skydio, Lucid, Teal, Freefly, Easy Aerial. When it comes to who could build the, as Bill English would say, the Honda Civic of drones, right? The drone that can do good video, raw photos, autonomous missions, etc. The The old Phantom 4 Pro. The drone sitting over Rob's head right now. Who is going to make that? Because that is a drone that would sell at mass scale. Who do you think does it? Out of So I have to pick from these companies who's going to do that? I mean, if you want to add companies from the NDAA list, feel free. Oh, I don't think any of them are going to do it. They're too, making too much money from the DOD. So mm. they're, I don't think, eek, uh, Sony. I think it's going to come down. Or Lucid. I, I think. I wish it would be Lucid. Yeah, I do too. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to come down to Sony and Skydio. I think Parrot is really far ahead. And we've got a question coming up this week regarding um, an evolution of opinion on Parrot, which I can't wait to clarify. I'm very excited about that. But I think Easy Aerial could do it as well. Here's why I think Sony might pull ahead. And obviously we don't know. And we're trying really hard to not be biased. I just want all of you to know I'm, I'm really trying hard not to be biased. But Sony, like you said, has the old money. Sony has camera manufacturing and has been doing camera manufacturing for a very long time. Um, I would say Sony kind of kicked Canon to the curb over the last 10 years. You how know? does their, how do they compare to OcuSync? Because that works so well. You know, when I flew the AirPeak this last week, I never had an issue with image transmission. And one thing I really liked about the AirPeak is just that how much control you have. For newer users, it might be overwhelming. But for me, I loved it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can turn off left-hand obstacle avoidance or right-hand obstacle avoidance or turn off VPS, which I was like, you're going to want to turn off VPS. And the test pilot looked at me and was like, why? I'm like because you're flying over water and water reflects light and your VPS is a stereoscopic system. So it's going to reflect light and you're going to sink the drone. He was like, oh, okay, we're going to turn off VPS. (laughs) (laughs) You know, another thing that really is interesting is I think that they don't care what I think, but I'm going to say it anyways. I think they need to be careful to not over-design. And I think... You mean like how Apple like tries to oversimplify things? No, 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 no. I think, no, I mean, it's hard to argue with what Apple does, frankly, but I think the Anafi, the AI, and it, I just think too many people comment on how they don't like the way it looks. I think styling matters in terms of... Really? I do. I've seen the comments, even on our video, which got a really great... I mean, you did a great job on that review. And I think the 
first video out of Cal or out of Colorado. <laughs> yeah, and so anyways, the engagement on that has been really good and very positive, which we don't always get. But anyways, um, that's another story. But a lot of the comments, people are referring to what it looks like, and I don't know. I, don't over design. Just and and I think that they probably have a lot of good reasons for their design. I would imagine, but it is definitely an outlier. Every time I think of the Parrot Anafi review video that we did, the Anafi AI, because there are three different Anafis, just FYI. But whenever I think of the Anafi AI video and how I was, I worked really hard to go over what language it was very very produced, which I normally don't go to that level of production. Um, but I just think of like Jeremy Clarkson and I think of, uh, what, oh gosh, Top Gear. And I just think, what would Ger Jeremy Clarkson <laughs> say about this drone? And he would be like, the French designed it to look like a praying mantis, ready to cut your eyebrows off, but map your face in the process. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> You didn't use that, though. No, I should Because, like, I'm always afraid to do a British accent in our videos because I yeah. think people are going to think I'm inauthentic or crazy. So That's funny. <laughs> no, and, and I know that there's a lot of benefits to it. I just wonder. Um, I don't know. There's all these different variables that factor into whether somebody's going to buy a drone, and I, I wonder if that hurts the ability for that drone to fly. I, whether that's right or not, is, I'm not, you know, making that call, but there's just things that, uh, that we look at. I, 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 you know, I'm really curious about this stylization point because just like I believe the airframe is so critical to the flight characteristics, mm -hmm. the look may be as equally critical. I thought, I really thought the Anafi AI, it was a funky looking drone, but at the end of the day, I thought it looked kind of cool. I like the uniqueness, right? I agree. I agree. Um, I'm just saying what other people have said. And no, I understand. But to that point, maybe it's going to be some sort of fine line between design as in um, the aesthetics yep. versus the actual airframe construction. Because I will say, this is another way Sony really nailed it, that H-frame design where you have the center of gravity sitting so low in relativity to the airframe itself really makes it a phenomenally agile yet stable bird hence this baby right here doing so well right well and think of the inspire too that's the ultimate example yeah you true, know true but yeah to your point there because look at the mavics and how that weight is all compressed yep. right at kind of the top and it's just like mm, not the best flight characteristics you know mm -hmm. so i mean imagine if your boeing 737 was built like a uh international bus right mm -hmm. all that drag just it wouldn't work yeah. So anyway, but I appreciate this conversation, Rob, and appreciate the conversation with all of you. Very yeah, I really look forward to getting everybody's thoughts and comments on this. Um, yeah. Even the mean ones. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Hopefully it's a lot of good conversation because uh, that's part of the fun of talking about something like this. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today uh, here. We thought this was a very important uh, topic to touch on. We've had so much feedback and questions regarding this American or domestic drones. So I think it was important to mention, think of it like a culmination of lots of questions. And we wanted to give this update. So thank you very much for joining us. As always, if you have a question, askdroneu.com. Please leave us a review wherever you listen or subscribe to the show. In addition, our new in-person training schedule is going up on the website. So um, check that out because it's going to be mostly at the new ranch, which I'd love to see you there. So that's going to do it for us today. My name is Paul. I'm Rob. This is Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power 
to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.